I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. All right, today we have a podcast that deals with an issue that we deal with all the time in Oklahoma because of how spread out things are. But handling visits when distance is a factor is the title of this Reddit post. And it's pretty short and sweet. The lady says, my ex recently moved two hours away. Interesting. I assumed it was a lady. I don't know that it is. I'm going to catch myself. I assumed it was also. That's funny. Isn't that weird? Mm -hmm. It doesn't say. All right. My ex recently moved two hours away for work. We have had a visitation schedule of every other weekend for three years with me having primary physical custody. I brought up that two hours one way is a lot. And I think we should discuss alternative scheduling. Am I out of line? I think, unfortunately, here in Oklahoma, once again, we both assumed that because of who had the primary physical custody. Yeah, I think that's right. So, two hours one way. And, and, you know, I used to live in Northern Virginia. And two hours as a crow flies, depending on the day and the time, that could be like a three and a half hour trip. Ah. Or if you're in, you know, California or if you're in the Dallas area. It's very true. So, I guess it matters in a few different ways to think about this. One is it really two hours? Is it a straight up two hour trip? Or she's saying that it should be without traffic two hours. And then two, we have to think about this in terms of the kids' developmental stages. Right. So with all of that as a precursor, Linda, what is the right answer? And whether or not there's a McDonald's halfway down the turnpike for everybody <laughs> right. to exchange in like they have for many years in That's Oklahoma. Right. Between yes. Tulsa and Oklahoma City, we have a turnpike and uh, halfway down they have had McDonald's where one side meets from one direction, one the other, and you can watch them exchanging. Yep. Yeah, we have that in multiple cases right mm-hmm. now, that turnpike. So what do you think? I mean, two hours, one way, every other weekend. Well, I actually lived that for several years with my stepdaughter. Uh, her mother lived the other side of Oklahoma City, and we lived in Midtown in Tulsa. So it was right at two hours, really. Mm-hmm. And... um it was very doable because of the way we approached it, I think. Um, the judge had actually asked for the uh, exchange to be at my parents' home because they lived in Oklahoma City. And so because of some issues that had developed through the through the years with the exchanges other places. And so we kind of made it fun as we went back to Oklahoma City to stop off at my parents' house. And we just made it seem like we didn't. Of course, she didn't know anything about it being court-ordered, but we just made it seem like, you know, she got to go to uh, her extra set of grandparents' uh, house for dinner, and and then she hung out there after we left until her mom got there. You know, it was just kind of the way we phrased it. But then on the way to our house here in Tulsa, her dad would go get her, and um, once again, her mother would drop her off with my parents, and then her dad would arrive, and mom would feed them. Uh, and then they'd get on the road and come on over here on Friday evenings. So they had a good time. They enjoyed, you know, just one-on-one time. And how old was she at that time? She was from three to about 10. Okay. 
And she wasn't involved in a lot of extracurriculars or anything like that? Not really. They had her involved in some, I think, on the off weekends. They they lived in the country. She had the best of both worlds. They lived in the country. She rode horses and that kind of thing. I think she was starting to get into some of the competitive horse stuff when her father died. And then you know, she it wasn't an issue. And then um, I think the, uh, you know, we just planned stuff for her to do here in Tulsa that was totally different kind of cultural stuff. Right. So when you have a kid who's younger, it can be fun. Right. Right. If they travel well, you can have a good time in the car. You can sing. You can play games. You can do all sorts of things in the car. And oftentimes, you know, you actually get the kid focused. Right. In a place where they're state, they're still. Right. For the most part. (laughs) And you can have a good time. That'd be great. Right. Um, But as they get older, it starts to be a problem because now they may start to have sleepovers they want to do. They may have soccer practices on Saturdays. There's all sorts of things that happen. Sports and friends tend to get and in not just sports. A lot of kids wind up with band activities or debate or those kinds of things on the weekends a lot now. Right. So I think if we break it down, if the one, assuming that everybody has the finances to do the travel, because, you know, here a two hour drive would be 140 miles. Right. And that's a lot of gas when gas is expensive. So that's an issue. Um, so assuming everybody has the finances to do that travel. And, and that's the usual splitting it between the two, you know, halfway. You, one goes halfway. I even see people doing that with uh, the Dallas or Houston. Um, you know, sometimes they'll meet halfway between here and Dallas. Sometimes they'll meet in Dallas halfway between here and Houston. Yeah, but, but I mean, sometimes one parent may have the money to pay for the gas for a half a trip, another parent doesn't. Or a plane trip. Yeah. Right. Back in the day, it used to be real cheap to fly to Dallas or Houston. So there are lots of costs, lots of just difficulties in getting that transfer done. But I don't think it just being two hours makes it out of bounds. Right. It's what does that two hours mean? What does it mean in terms of expense, in terms of logistics, in terms of the kid? missing activities in the place where they typically reside. And if it turns out to be ultimately a big issue, then I think you would consider alternative scheduling. So let's say, let's take it there. Let's say that we have the situation, not so much for the expense, but because you have a child who's a little bit older and they're in activities and is really going to disrupt their activities to do the every other weekend, two hours away. What would you propose then that would be good? One of my favorites has been, but once again, this does involve either can you afford to stay in a hotel if you're the parent that's two hours away or more. Uh, Typically, it's been when there's a parent that's more like four to eight hours away. And they will come here one of those every other weekends, and the child goes to their home, the Mm -hmm. Alternative, So the child is really only traveling outside of their life for and their activities, their friends and all that for one weekend a month. And usually they have made that a long holiday weekend from school, too. So it makes it easier on the child to transition back. Yeah, normally you'll find between spring break, fall break, various administrative days, things like right. Veterans Day or whatever, right. you can find tons of long weekends. Throughout the school year, they, they do tend to be almost once a month. Yeah, there, there are a ton of them there. And also what I've done in the past is to the extent that the parent who isn't going to have to travel 
is saving on transportation costs, they chip in what the transportation costs would have been to the parent who's going to be staying here to help defray their lodging expenses. Frequently, too, I find that there are extended family members here because if a parent has been transferred somewhere else, they may have extended family here or good friends that they could bunk with for a little bit. Uh, we have a lot of, you know, the VRBOs and Airbnbs in the community now that a lot of parents will take advantage of so that it feels more like they're in a home and they can keep renting the same one. So the kid does feel like they have a place to go to. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I feel like part of this would be an issue of framing as well. It would be very easy. Like most things are, you know, right. I know how many times I feel like you you and I say this all the time. How the primary custodian frames this for the child is going to make a big difference in whether you wind up getting some resist, refuse dynamics with the visitation. It is in, in, you know, the work I do with an individual adult, you know, so much of our own lives has to do with how we frame the situation. Right. We can, we can turn anything into a negative if we try hard enough. So the primary custodian in this case is saying, oh, I'm so sorry you have to drive four hours this weekend to see your dad. That's one thing. Right. If the parent says, Oh man, you're going to have so much fun. Have you picked out music for the ride or have you picked out a game or what do you think you want to talk about? Like, did you find a fun story you want to talk about? You could come up with all sorts of ways to make that trip fun. Right. But, or you can find all sorts of ways to sabotage the trip for the child on both sides. And so to me, that's almost more important then the logistics of the travel is the proper framing of the experience for the child so that they're actually looking forward to it. Right. And I, I think, you know, after we lost Ashley's daddy, I was so thrilled that she did have all those hours on the road with him on Friday nights oh, sure. where they had just been the two of them doing their thing. Now, after she got here on the weekend, we still, I still allowed a lot of that, you know, I knew they needed it. But it was, we did some things as a family, but it was, it was really, you know, primarily her sucking him up. I'm so glad she had those years to do that. And that's, that is so sad. And also it's happy that they had it. Um, I kind of feel like it's a good transition period. You know, if kids have trouble with the transition or um, if they feel anxious about the trip, Having that longer car trip could actually benefit because it gives them sort of a slow start. And it's another thing where uh, so many kids have told me that they they really treasure that one-on-one with the parent for that long. It's also a wonderful thing uh, if you've got that pre-adolescent or adolescent child that is, um, especially if they're male, uh, but sometimes the adolescent girl can be very difficult to strike up a conversation with, too. And so you've got it's kind of like parallel play in a car. You obviously have parallel. You're not sitting facing each other. Somebody's got to look at the road. And so the child doesn't feel maybe as put on the spot to have a conversation about things. And you can, you know, alternate who gets to pick the next song to play, you know, and then you have fun with that. You talk about it. You learn what they're listening to now. You know, it, it, if the parent avoids lots of questions, <laughs> preferably, um, it's a, it's a very good thing that they can use that time wisely and not have 
you you could even have it be a, a no phone zone, yeah. you know, where where the kid isn't just zoned out over there in a world of their own. But you guys are actually interacting. I mean, I went on a guy night with my son last night because uh, Rebecca's out of town and he got in the car. And the first thing he said was, hey, can I put on my music? Aha. Uh-huh. Because that's what he likes to do. We get in the right. car, he puts on his music and like he'll say, hey, listen to this one. Or what do you think about that one? Good. And it's some of the most engaging time oh, that we yeah. have is when we're driving. You bet. I mean, many times through the years, I mean, I, I work with uh, adolescents who aren't exactly thrilled to be talking to me instead of something they'd rather be doing, you know, <laughs> at least at the beginning until they get to know me. And that's one of the, the main icebreakers that, you know, as I'm getting to know them, I'm wanting to know what music they're listening to. And if it's a group I recognize or I've you know been listening to myself, they're shocked that that happens. <laughs> and because another adolescent turned turned me on to that group, you know. <laughs> and then if it's a, a group I've never heard of, I'm I'm like, right now, could you pull up your favorite song of theirs and let me listen to it? And they're like, you really want to hear that? Yeah. So it's it's a great icebreaker because that just says I am curious, I am interested in what you're doing, right? And, you know, the flip side of the story that you told about your own experience would be how not to do it. So oftentimes we have um, stepmoms yes. who are very threatened by the relationship or past relationship between the father and the biological mother. And they want to be at every transfer. Right. And that would not be the right answer because that takes away all of the benefit of what we're talking about in terms of this longer distance station transfer. Right. And I have a feeling that the stepmom is going to be even more frustrated than the dad or the stepdad would be more frustrated than the mom with the two hour trip each way. And so there's bound to be more attitude in the car if you've got the step parent there. Oh, there will be very little talking is what I hear. The kids are totally checked out and they're not or or they're being interrogated by the step parent as well as the parent. Right. Because the parent knows they're supposed to be asking certain things and to uh, make the step parent happy. And so it's it's I I see that a lot and I always give this same advice to step parents that I see. Allow the natural parent to be the one to transport the kid. For so many reasons, so very many reasons, sometimes just their presence in the automobile parked across a parking lot irritates the other co-parent so much that it can cause conflict when conflict didn't have to be necessary. Well, and it's also a great opportunity if the step parent has their own biological children right? for them to create a tradition of right. when. Dad, when husband is going to get his biological child, I'm going to be having some special time with my biological children because right. that's four hours right. each time. And and everyone, each totally. of the different subunits within that family structure need that individual time. And what yes. a great opportunity, yes, they very do. practical way to do it. And frequently parents do, you know, in, in that case, both of the biological parents who are in a in a blended family now will will very often have difficulty trying to figure out how to do those individual times with their own children without seeming to neglect the other side. And that's a perfect opportunity. Right. Right. Great way to do it. Okay. Well on the road again, I guess I think, (laughs) I think I'm going to, I might 
put on the road again. That, that's really cute that you said that. That just evoked my mother because for all those years that we were bringing Ashley to their house, you know, to exchange, she would, as as we were on the way, we'd give her a call, let her know we were headed that way, and she'd go on the road again. <laughs> she was a Willie fan, so. Well, we'll, uh, we'll let Willie take us out on this one. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.